Get your fill of baseball news and beer reviews at foulballarea.com. Follow our blog for the latest news around the baseball world and read about some of our favorite ballpark beers. Tune into the podcast every Wednesday as we take a deep dive into the topics of the day. Stay connected by signing up for our mailing list or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Foulball Area. Now, here's today's episode of the Foulball Area Podcast with Matthew Atkins and Trey Lyle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the Foul Ball Area Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Atkins, alongside my co-host, Trey Lyle, and we are so excited for another week of baseball talk as we get ever closer to 2021 MLB opening day, just over a week away from the first pitch of the 2021 Major League Baseball season. Cannot contain our excitement. We are just waiting, counting down the minutes until we can see Major League Baseball on our TVs hopefully in person sometime this summer. We are so ready for baseball to return. And here to help us break down the National League in 2021 is a co-worker of mine at MLB Network Radio. He is the co-host of MLB Round Trip each night on our channel. He is also the 1982 National League Rookie of the Year and a two-time World Series champion with the Los Angeles Dodgers, Steve Sachs, joining us on the podcast to help us break down the 2021 National League season. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Matt and Trey, good to be with you guys. There's no place I'd rather be than right here on the podcast with you gentlemen. So everything's great. Well, we appreciate you coming on. And like we said, you, you spent so many years with the Dodgers in the 80s, won two World Series with them. So you know the Dodgers. Uh, like you said before we started, you know them like the back of your hand. You were part of the, the last World Series winning team before 2020, back in 1988. W- what do you think, in your opinion, took so long for the Dodgers to get back on top of the baseball world and winning that World Series championship? Well, Matt, what it, what it shows you, I mean, the Dodgers uh, have now won the National League East, or the National League West, I believe eight years in a row. Um, but the competition in baseball and the parity throughout is is really pretty stiff. And that's why you see, um, you know, teams get to the dance sometimes and and they don't win it. Finally, the Dodgers uh, last year did. But uh, the competition, it just speaks to the competition in baseball where it's uh, it's pretty prevalent that it's um, it's it, it's pretty much spread out. I mean, it's it's hard to get there. It's hard to win it. And it certainly is hard to repeat to win a World Series. So. They're going to have their work cut out for them to, uh, to do it again. But this is a well-stacked team. I mean, you can look up and down this club, and there's just not a lot of uh, places that you can point to and say that this team has uh, a place where they really need a, a vast improvement. Most teams have some question marks after certain parts of their team. Dodgers really don't. They're deep and they're stacked throughout. And obviously the biggest difference probably between the seven, 18 teams that made uh, NLCS runs and World Series runs – was adding, you know, arguably, well, probably, you know, a 1B to 1A being Mike Trout in baseball in Mookie Betts. How big of a factor was adding a guy like him to a lineup that already featured, you know, Cody Bellinger, who's already one of the top-tier players in baseball? Well, yeah, he just adds adds to the depth factor that the Dodgers have over most other teams. Um, He's a game-changer. He can win games without being in the batter's box. He can win him on the base pass. He can win him with a great throw from right field. Um, you know, he's he's pretty much uh, the elite player that you'd want to have uh, on your club. You couple that with one of the better catchers in the league in Will Smith. Um, thumping Max Muncy is a guy that comes up with some big hits, can play all over the place. And I think it's a really important this team did get Justin Turner back because he's kind of like having another coach on the field. And then, of course, their shortstop in, in – in, uh, um, 
the shortstop in uh, Corey Seager. Corey Seager. Corey Seager. <laughs> yeah, the shortstop in Corey Seager. Um, he's in his walk here, so you know he's gonna he's gonna probably pretty much step it up this year as well. Uh, you can go almost position for position. They've got they've got perennial all stars. It seems uh, that could be anyway at just about every position. The Dodgers are loaded. We haven't even talked about the pitching staff yet. Yeah, and I think another thing the Dodgers bring is versatility. Obviously, you know, Cody Bellinger playing now center field where he was at first baseman. They really can mismatch their lineup and add an element of versatility that maybe only, I would argue, the Yankees, and we'll touch on the Padres in a moment, can do. Yeah, uh, that's true. And, you know, Cody Bellinger a couple years ago says, you know, if I play center field or right field, I'll win the gold glove. If I play first base, I'll win the gold glove. And I was thinking, dude, man, why are you putting that much pressure on yourself? Just go out. And play well. What happened? He went out and played, and he won the Gold Glove. I mean, you don't see people who can back it up that that uh, purely, uh, but he certainly did. And you know, I know that they're looking for him to come back and have that kind of a uh, MVP type of season again. And uh, you know, it, it's tough with a lot of pressure on you playing in LA, trying to do it year after year. But I have no doubt that he's going to come back and be an elite player again. So a couple of other teams around the National League had pretty good offseasons. You look at the Mets, who added Francisco Lindor. They brought in a catcher and James McCann, a couple of pitchers. You look at the Padres, who arguably had the best offseason in the National League. But has anyone really closed the gap and now has a real shot at knocking off the Dodgers in the NL in 2021? Um, it's going to be tough, but I, I think the, their brethren to the south, the, uh, the San Diego Padres, have got – an outside chance to, to maybe dethrone them. Um, it doesn't mean that they're going to keep the Dodgers out of postseason because I surely don't think they will uh, because I think the Dodgers will get there no matter what. But, but it's going to be a, a, tough, uh, a tough thing for them, even though they've got some really good young players on their team, some exciting players. Um, and their pitching staff was vastly improved with the upgrades that they made there. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that goes. But this is going to be a shootout at the OK Corral, if you will, between the Dodgers and the Padres. This is going to be the best place probably to watch baseball is in Southern California. These two teams going at it, it's going to be great. You kind of touched on, uh, you know, the SoCal roots of this this season. And obviously, you know, another star head to SoCal and L.A. and Trevor Bauer. What kind of season do you expect from him? And obviously, he doesn't have to be that team's A's day of Walker Buehler and probably the greatest pitcher of his generation in Clayton Kershaw in that lineup. What expectations do you think should be on a guy like Trevor Bauer who came in with a little bit of fanfare after having a Cy Young season? Um, well, you know, Trevor Bauer, he embraces the situation. I think he, the more chaotic, the better he is. I think he would have flourished no matter where he played. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe playing in Anaheim wasn't chaotic enough. Maybe he wanted a little bit more pressure. It seems that's the way he thrives. And, uh, you know, I, I think with all the pressure on him, he certainly is a social media genius. He's out there promoting himself like, you know, like a professional would. Um, I'm not big on, on social media stuff, but Trevor Bauer lives with it. Um, and I think it pushes him. He puts it out there to, to kind of motivate himself, and uh, he uses it to his advantage. So for what it's worth, you can talk about having to live up to your expectations on social media. This guy's no problem doing that. He's openly said, I'll take one, one year of a contract at a time. I don't have to have a multi-year deal. One year's fine. So guy's pretty cocky with all that, you know, all that confidence that he has, but that's why he's good. Going back to the Padres for a second, a little bit of news in San Diego today is Fernando Tatis Jr. left today's spring training game with what looked like a hip injury. 
after making a play at shortstop. What do you think about the about the Padres if Fernando Tatis Jr. is injured long term? How how does their depth factor into this? What what kind of impact would that have on their season? Well, it would, uh, it would have a big impact on it because he he's one of the better young players in the game. Um, this is a team that's you know pre- pretty deep as well. But when you talk about losing somebody like that, I mean he he's really the best player on the team. So. It, it would be, uh, you know, tantamount to losing a Corey Seager. I mean, you know, you can pretty much uh, line those two guys up and some guys would have one and some guys would have the other. But Tatis is a guy that we don't know where the ceiling is yet. And that's that's kind of scary how good he is. But, yeah, that would be a big, big blow to this team uh, if you don't have him there. Of course, you got good, solid players on the corners, uh, you know, with Eric Hosmer uh, and, and Manny Machado. So you still got those guys to anchor. But losing him would be pretty special. And obviously the Padres, you know, they they looked at it and they're like, they need to compete with the starting pitching of the Dodgers. And they add a guy like Blake Snell, who was torching the Dodgers in the World Series, uh, people forget. And then obviously adding uh, a veteran and a, a really good pitcher in you, Darvish. Who do you expect to emerge as like that team's ace? Is it Clevenger, who obviously, you know, only played half a season and then got hurt in the postseason? And so... Uh, who do you expect to be that kind of anchor ace for the Dodgers or excuse me for the Padres? Yeah. Well, Clevenger probably isn't going to be there this year because he had, he had surgery uh, in November. So he's not going to be playing this year. They're going to look at him for next year. Um, but I, I think that, you know, you could pick, you know, Denelson Lamette is another guy, you know, if he's healthy, he's had some injury issues, but if he can come back healthy, you got three good dominant guys at the top of the ticket with Darvish Snell and Lamette. And I think the, the, the acquisition of Joe Musgrove as well um, is going to go bode well for the Padres. He's a good pitcher. I think you put him on a good team like the Padres, makes him uh, a really good pitcher. And, you know, if he has some run support, he can be, he can be a good uh, solid number four guy on this team. Um, but I'm interested to see what Chris Paddock can do now that he's been around the league a little bit and he's featured his stuff. They know what to expect from him. So seeing him – how he makes these little micro changes uh, as the league changes to him. And it's always a back and forth thing. League changes, then he has to change. And then it just kind of has a cat and mouse game. Um, So that'll be interesting to see. But also one level lower than that is what we're going to see from McKenzie core. This is a guy who's been highly touted. He didn't really impress them last year uh, at the alternative site. So he didn't get a chance to come up, but McKenzie Gore to me, I've seen him pitch uh, some tape and, and he's, um, He's from the left side. He's a power pitcher, loves to pitch up in the strike zone. He's got really good stuff. I think we're going to see him maybe sooner than later. Drew Pomerantz has gone down for a bit, too, uh, in, in their bullpen. So there's some questions here now as spring training has kind of, you know, hit, hit, the, uh, hit the, the injury button a little bit on this club. We'll see what happens and how they come back. But the staff, I, I think, is going to see Mackenzie Gore sometime sooner than later this year, and it's going to be fun to see him pitch. We're talking with Steve Sachs, analyst on MLB Network Radio, two-time World Series winner with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Before we move on to the other divisions in the National League, staying in the NL West, the Giants. They had a, a pretty good season last year for a team that I don't think anybody really expected much from them. And obviously the, the Dodgers and the Padres are the favorites in the NL West. But do you think there's any shot that the Giants could make a run and maybe get a wild card spot? You know, I, I think it would be a long shot uh, for the Giants to do that. But they're going to be looking to do stuff, probably get into some serious contention, if you will, I would say in the next couple of years. 
Um, you know, they got a lot of money coming off their books of some of the, the guys they signed long-term contracts to that are still, you know, pretty productive players, but uh, they're going to have more money to spend. I think that kind of starts this year. So I think by next year, the Giants will be looking kind of like a different team uh, and maybe some more seriousness will be starting to swirl around their camp. But I don't think it's going to be this year. I think that's a, a, a bit uh, premature to think that the Dodgers can do that. Um, it all starts with pitching. This team just doesn't have the pitching right now uh, to, to compete with these other guys. You know, they got some good players on the team. They still got some players that are older, you know, guys like Buster Posey and Brandon Belt. And, uh, you know, I even think even Evan Longoria is still a decent player. Brandon Crawford can still play shortstop pretty well. But they're trying to bring some old, some younger guys in to kind of make that turn around the corner. But I think it'll be another at least a couple years. And obviously the Rockies uh, rounding out that division and their most notable thing probably going into this season will be the guy playing third base for the Cardinals in Nolan Arenado. Obviously uh, a very interesting move, a move kind of we saw coming towards the end of last season. The Rockies do not want to pay him big money and he deserves the big money as one of the best third basemen in all of baseball. How much of an impact does that have on a, a St. Louis Cardinals team in a very, very probably – you know, one of the most competitive divisions top to bottom in baseball in the NL Central? Oh, I, I mean, Nolan Arenado makes, makes all the difference in the world. There's, there's no question about it. Now you're looking at a team that's really stacked in the middle of that order. This team needed another bat with the, with the exodus of Marcelo Zuna. They needed another bat in that order. And, you know, it, it's great to have a guy like Arenado who is not only one of the better hitters, but what he brings to the defensive side is going to help his pitching staff, which is already pretty good. Um, imagine him and Goldschmidt uh, on the corners. And then you have Paul DeYoung, who has been uh, pretty good. His numbers are at the top for shortstop for defensive run save. It's kind of like he's kind of quietly does his good job at shortstop. He's going to be able to cheat over another step and a half when you think about the, the amount of ground that Arenado can cover going to his left. So this is going to make Paul DeYoung an even better shortstop. He's going to be able to go over to his left a little bit and cover more ground at the middle. Uh, and all those guys can hit. I mean, imagine Goldschmidt and DeYoung and Arenado all in the middle of that order. I mean, that, that is some thump, and that's what they needed. They needed some pop in the order, and they got it. And obviously the Cardinals build their, their team, you know, really with really good defense and manufacturing runs. And how, how that style that, that the Cardinals have, they kind of perfected it. You talked about on the corners and, and – how is that style going to compare to the styles of the Padres and the Dodgers, which are more, you know, power-based hitting, yeah. power pitching, that kind of feel? Yeah, they're, they're more uh, – the Cardinals can, can manufacture runs like, like you mentioned, Trey. Um, uh, they got some they got some speed on the team when you talk about Dylan Carlson and, and the likes. But, but this team is mostly built on pitching and defense, and that's the way it was when I played against the Cardinals, pretty much the same way. It was all about pitching, defense, team speed. Um, and although the speed factor isn't much in base, as much as it used to be in baseball, the Cardinals, uh, you know, do, do have some of that. Tommy Edmonton can run a little bit. Uh, you know, Tyler O'Neill's got some speed. So does, so does Dylan Carlson. They've got some guys that can run a little bit. But the team is really basically built on really good defense, um, overall good pitching, uh, and now they've got a little bit more pop in the lineup. So that's how they're building. The other thing about the Cardinals is when you come up through that Cardinal organization and you're a young guy – coming onto the scene, everybody expects you to be there, do the right thing, throw to the right base, and make the plays, make the plays you're supposed to make, um, and, and not really learn on the job. So they're expected 
to come up and and play like a like a big leaguer and not uh, give in to the fact that somebody may be 22 years old and they're just learning. That's not the way the Cardinals do it. You come up, you're ready to play, and we expect a lot out of you. A couple of other moves that the Cardinals made this offseason are obviously bringing back their veterans and Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. I don't know that anyone really thought those two would end up anywhere other than St. Louis, but with being the age that they are, how much of an impact does it really have bringing them back on the team? Because they're, they're obviously great players, great careers, but at their advanced ages, are they going to have a big impact on the Cardinals this year? Well, you know, you wonder how much you can keep uh, squeezing the lemon for Adam Wainwright. I thought last year, nah, he had a really good year last year. You know, he, he pitched his, uh, he took the ball when he was supposed to, he pitched his innings. He, had a, he was, a, he was a, a good productive pitcher last year. I, I think these two guys uh, in the situation they are with this organization, um, who knows how long they can play. Yachty Molina just seems to be getting better. Uh, all the time and um, you know I think Adam, Adam, Adam Wainwright with that great curveball that's something he can always depend on I mean he's got one of the better curveballs in Major League Baseball still um, and he can throw it for strikes he can throw it for strikes when he's behind on the count which is kind of a tough thing for a hitter when you're looking for the fastball and guy dro- drops a great big old 12 to 6 curveball on you for a strike so Adam Wainwright is, is I think they still expect him to do kind of what he did last year and Yadi Molina, who knows how long he can go. He's, he's probably going to do it again, same thing as last year. And, and finally, we're going to move on to the other, you know, another competitive division, maybe obviously deeper than the NL West, the NL East. And obviously the Braves have kind of taken a stranglehold over the division uh, a little bit. Obviously the Nationals making the run they did towards the World Series. They obviously didn't win the division that year. But – the Braves kind of, you know, asserted themselves last season. And obviously the Mets made a lot of moves this past offseason. Did the Mets catch up enough or even surpass what the Braves have in order to compete with them this year? Did the Mets catch up? Um, I don't think so, um, especially with Kirk, Cookie Carlson going down and, and blowing out his hamstring. He's going to be out eight weeks at least. I think that's going to hurt this team a bit. Um, and also, uh, you know, we don't know exactly when Noah Syndergaard's coming back. That's going to be a while too. So what was really the strength part of this team uh, in the pitching staff, is, pitching staff, especially with the acquisition that they made get, getting uh, Carrasco there, um, you know, now you're, you're kind of back to the middle. So uh, I don't think they're going to beat the Braves. I don't think they will. But I think they're going to be a competitive team when they get at full strength. I think they could be as good. But I think that time between then uh, and now, you know, that, that play in the middle there where you're not going to have Carrasco, I think it's going to – it's going to put a lot of pressure on guys like Taiwan Walker and David Peterson. Although I think Taiwan Walker was one of the best acquisitions this offseason. Very much under the radar. Saw him pitch a bit at the end last year. Had a 270 ERA. Uh, and he was what they projected him to be from the beginning. Big presence on the mound. A guy that could go out there and dominate the outside part of the corner, uh, outside part of the plate by starting the ball off the plate and throwing that natural move back in to the inside part of the plate to a left-handed hitter with that fastball. Very dominant fastball in its location. And if he can continue that this year, Taiwan Walker is going to be really a special pitcher. And it's going to show that it was a great acquisition. But I need Carrasco back doing his thing. I like that answer. I, I, I'm biased, obviously. I am the a Braves, Braves fan. <laughs> I, think that, yeah. I don't think anyone has caught up to the Braves in that division. But for some reason, the, all the projections have the Braves finishing second, third, or fourth. I haven't seen any projections, projections that have them finishing in first place. I mean, do, do you think that's realistic, or what do you think is going on with those projections? Um, well, I can tell you from a player standpoint, I think the Braves are going to win the division. 
um, this team is, is really special. Uh, the Braves, you know, it, I think a lot's going to depend on, of course, health. And that's, that's the same answer you can have for other teams. But if Mike Soroka and, and Max Freed uh, team up like they did last year, that's going to be a lot said right there. It's going to keep them out of long, protracted losing streaks. Um, it's going to start, you know, quite a few winning streaks. And besides that, you've got some great young, talented guys like Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson. These guys can pitch already. I mean, I think they're kind of like what we saw with Houston with Framber Valdez and uh, Ortiz and, 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 and those guys who were young, just come on the scene, but were awfully impactful when they came up. I think that's what you're going to see here with, uh, with Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson. You throw Charlie Morton in the mix, and you know, Juice Smiley's healthy. Wow, this team's going to be fine. The pitching staff, and that's what it's all about for me, is it starts with pitching, and they're going to be fine in that regard. Is it a make or break year for the Phillies? Obviously, you know, signing Bryce Harper to as big of a deal as he did, signing JT Ralmuto to the biggest deal catcher's ever seen, and it really hasn't led to anything of note for the Phillies. Uh, is it is it like a make or break year? And could you see maybe, I don't want to say a Marlin style blow up, but a sort of that kind of feel come next off season? Um, I don't know if it's, if it's a make or break type of thing. Um, I do think the Phillies is going to be better than what people think. Um, they're kind of writing them off thinking, you know, you know, I think the Phillies are going to be a tough team. You know, they added Archie Bradley in the bullpen, which is something that was uh, definitely needed. They, uh, they, they, they had Jose Alvarado that they added as well. Remember, this team's bullpen last year was 7.06, which was the second worst in the history of MLB. The second worst in the history of MLB. So anything was an upgrade compared to what they had done last year. Um, so with that being said, no, uh, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler at the top of the ticket for these guys, uh, great. But I do think that the Phillies need at least one big surprise, and that has to be on the starting, the starting rotation. Uh, is it going to be Spencer Howard? Is it going to be, uh, you know, Vince Velasquez? He's got a great arm. Maybe Zach Eflin. But one of these guys has to step forward and have a, a 16 and, and 7 year um, and gobble up over 200 innings. It's got to be something like that that's got to go along with Aaron Nola and Wheeler. Because if, they, if you look at one place that can be exploited, it's the pitching staff of this team. I think they're going to score runs. Um, I think their defense is going to be at least average when you talk about up the middle play. You know, with uh, Real Muto behind the plate. Uh, and then you, you have Didi Gregorius at shortstops, one of the best defensive shortstops in the game. Probably center field is going to go to Azdubal Herrera from what I see right now. Um, so, you know, pretty strong up the middle in defense. And uh, I think that should be a plus for the team. And they'll score their runs. I like Girardi as a manager. So, uh, Alan Baum, Baum, Baum. <laughs> Their third baseman, I think, is going to be a really exciting guy. A lot of people are thinking he's going to hit 30 home runs this year. So um, we'll see. But I think the team is going to be a little bit tougher than people think. Do you see a team making a surprise run to the postseason? I think of the Marlins last year. I know there was a lot more spots, but like no one expected the Marlins to be anywhere sniffing the postseason, especially with kind of way their season formed with all the COVID stuff. Yeah. Do you expect, is it the Phillies that – that might make a surprise run into the postseason, or do you think it's kind of a chalk kind of year? Well, it, it might be something where, yeah, the surprise run might be somebody like the Chicago Cubs, um, because I think that if the St. Louis wins that division uh, and everybody else beats everybody up in the National League East, which very well could happen, you might see somebody sneak in there, you know, like the Cubs that could have a better record than 
you know, everybody else that's beaten up in the East. Uh, so it's hard to say. I mean, you're going to get your division winner in the East, and then after that, you know, if the Cubs are, aren't beaten up so much by the by the uh, the St. Louis Cardinals, I mean, look at those other teams have to face in the East. It could be something to watch. But yeah, I mean, the Phillies could get in, the the Mets could get in too. But I think the Braves are going to win that division. All right, Steve. I'm sure we'll be doing this on the channel here soon, as we're just over a week away from opening day. But it's prediction time. We're talking about the the three division winners and the two wild card teams. Who do you think is going to end up in those spots when we come to October? Okay, so the the, the three uh, division winners, um, and we're just talking National League right now, right? Yeah, National League. So I think it's going to be uh, the Braves. Um, I think the St. Louis Cardinals in the Central, the Dodgers in the West, and then the two wild card teams. One of them definitely going to be San Diego, and then the other one is. You know, could be the Mets, could be the Phillies, uh, could be the Cubs. Um, you know, I'll just say I'll just say the Mets. We'll just go there for right now, and then um, and then the World Series winner. I uh, I think the World Series winner this year is going to be in the National League. I think it's going to be the Dodgers. Going back Tough to, to back. argue with that. Yeah, I think they're going to do it back to back. I think I think their window, uh, and it's not because I played there. It has nothing to do with it. Uh, I think their window is so big. Um, I don't know that I've seen a window of opportunity as big as the Dodgers have and have had for, you know, years now. I think this thing continues. I mean, you guys, guys like Dustin May, I saw him pitch the other day. He's got a, he's got a hundred mile an hour bowling ball into the right-hander and he's throwing the, the four seamer up in the strike zone. And I'm telling you, he had a nasty hook, uh, tight, uh, straight up and down, late breaking, Violent action on it on the outside part of the plate. It dropped about yeah, about, a, about a foot and a half, but tight like that. I mean, good luck with it, right-handers. With that long arm delivery, the ball gets on you like that, and that's doing this, this, and this. Good luck with it. Go ahead and, and try to take him on. It, but it's guys like this in that organization, deep, deep talent everywhere. So their window's pretty big. Is it similar to those, you know, obviously the late 90s, early 2000 Yankees with obviously, yeah. you know, Jeter. For right. Headed, uh, yeah, no, no, it, it is. I mean, th that's that's kind of what you're looking at. Uh, a renaissance that the Yankees had. Uh, you may see that with the Dodgers going forward here, even though they've been in the running now for, shoot, almost a decade it's been. And it's still still going to keep going um, because they've got young, controllable talent. And the other thing is, you guys, too, is they've got tons of resources. They don't care if they blow past the, uh, the luxury tax. It, it doesn't matter to them. The money isn't an issue with the Dodgers. All right, Steve, I got one more for you. This is our National League preview episode, but you, of course, spent some time with a couple of teams in the American League, the Yankees, the White Sox, the Athletics, all teams that could be very good this year and could be division winners and make runs into the postseason. What do you see each of those three teams doing in 2021? Well, I think I'll, I'll start first with the, with the, the Oakland A's. I think that they're going to you know, give it a run. They're going to have a tough time with Houston, though. I think, they, I think the A's are going to get into postseason. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I think they'll be one of the wild card teams this year. I think the loss of Liam Hendricks is a is a is a big loss for this team, um, and conversely, it's a huge gain for the White Sox. Uh, so, you know, I I I just think it's tough for the A's to really um, get a lot of momentum year after year when they change personnel so quickly. I mean, they do. I mean, guys get good. Simeon's not there. You know, Liam Hendricks isn't there, and they. These guys just just change off so fast. So I think it's going to be it's going to be tougher for them. But I think they'll get into postseason this year. 
And then after the A's, uh, you know, I think that um, I think the Chicago White Sox are going to be in the World Series this year. I think they're going to win the pennant in the American League, and I think they're going to go on and play the Dodgers in the World Series. And I think they, they might lose there, but I think this team is really stacked. Young talent, pitching, they've got all of it. So they kind of remind me, the Chicago White Sox remind me a lot of the San Diego Padres. So that's how good they are. Danny Vietti, one of our former guests, says the his dream World Series last season or like one of the – and he, he said it this year if you follow him on Twitter. He works for CBS Sports, which is somewhat my employer, but it's not because we just don't own the CBS Sports radio rights, so I have to give a shout-out to that. But he said the most fun World Series you could have is Padres, White Sox, and I kind of agree with him. Their style of play, they want to have fun baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Infused with the young teams, which makes – is this fusion of young talent is making an exciting part of the game. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you could see, you know, is that possible to happen where they could throw in the Dodgers and possibly get? Yeah, they got they got a ton of talent. I mean, one thing goes right here or there, a key injury here or there, it could change the whole tide. That's what baseball is all about. Yeah, it should be a very exciting season. I, I picked the White Sox to win their division last year. That was my bold pick, and then they ended up actually having a pretty good season. So I expect big things from them in 2021 as well. Yeah, I think we're going to see White Sox. I think we're going to see uh, New York Yankees. White Sox and, and, and Houston winners. And then um, I think we'll see Oakland as a postseason team. Not sure about the other postseason team, but, but I think Oakland's going to get in there. Uh, yeah, and I think, the, I think the White Sox could go to the World Series this year. The Baltimore Orioles, of course. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think Probably. they've got a few years. Maybe a decade. Let's... Probably not. Maybe Minnesota, you know. Yeah. Who knows? Hopefully they don't get the Yankees again <laughs> in the playoffs yeah. and they'll be okay. If they don't get the Yankees in the playoffs, they'll be okay. Yeah. 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 Although the central, I think, I think that's probably going to be Minnesota. And you know, if they, if they get there, then maybe it's Cleveland that gets into the other postseason uh, team. So we'll see. All right, Steve, we appreciate your insight. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And we're looking forward to the beginning of the 2021 season, just over a week away should be a very exciting MLB season. Yeah, Matt and, and Trey, thanks for having me. Good job. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to Steve Sachs for joining us on today's episode of the podcast, helping us break down the 2021 National League season. Thanks, as always, to Trey for being the co-host of the Foul Ball area. I hope you guys enjoyed today's interview, and I hope you will tune in on Friday as Trey and I go through all of the over-under win total odds, the division winner odds, all of the odds that you need to know, everything you need to know to get ready for the 2021 National League season. That's coming this Friday right here at foulballarea.com. Thanks for listening to the Foul Ball Area podcast. Make sure to leave a review and a rating wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they come out.